take four. Welcome back to Random Badassery. I've tried this so many times, I'm not even sure I have anything more to say except that I love you, and I'm glad you're here. This is the podcast that's dedicated to creativity. My name is Chad Hall, who is out of his mind right now, and with me is a hopefully more stable and always brilliant Lam Wen. Hello, and not a chance. It is what it is at this point. F it. <laughs> we got this, man. We got this. Uh, well, well, guys, um, there's so many places we could start this episode. What you don't know is that Lamb and I have already been sort of, I mean, we've been talking for almost 40 minutes, uh, waiting to get ready for this and just kind of chatting and basically recorded an episode without recording already. So we'll see what happens here. I'm already rambling. That's a good start. Yeah, great start. Given that Chad and I are typically, I mean, in most environments and situations, we can literally talk until people make us stop. So that's usually a good sign. Welcome to the Cheryl Strait episode. Uh, if you guys didn't tune in last week, you should really go listen to last week. It was our first interview podcast with our friend Drew. And before we go any further, I, I kind of just want to talk to Lamb about the experience of doing our first interview. And you guys get to uh, eavesdrop. Lamb, what you what was what was that experience like for you? Uh, it's definitely really strange. Um, it's it's bizarre. I feel like um, there's a balance point that you have to try to strike between knowing the what you know of the person, you know, given that we're friends with Drew and what you think people want to know about him. And so trying to figure out the right way to ask questions that are not necessarily um, normal questions, uh, but by that same, you know, because you can't remove that sense of familiarity, familiarity, like we know each other and that's obvious. Um, but I want to not make the assumption that, that the people listening know him, um, to any level of closeness that we do. So, uh, from that perspective, trying to balance that is really tough. Um, not only that, but I think, you know, because you and I have been doing this for a year and a half, pretty much every single week for the last two months and at least once a month for the, the nine months leading up to that, you and I understand each other's, um, speaking patterns much better. And I think now they're between you and I, they're very, very intuitive. But adding a third person in there definitely changes the speed and pace of that. Yeah, I found, um, for me, one of the strangest things was, and I don't mean this in a negative way, actually, it's just, it was strange that I was observing it. I think I mentioned it to the two of you guys in our uh, warm down chat after the episode. But uh, sitting there and just listening to the two of you talk, and it was strange to be in front of a microphone and uh, just completely listening. I mean, not that I don't listen to you, but I mean, listen to two people interact sure so i was like observing and recording at the same time and that was a strange experience i liked it though yeah well not only that but not, you have to jump back in at some point too and ask questions so it's yeah i i, I know what you mean like there would be there would be periods of time where you know you and drew would be uh, bantering back and forth for like five or six minutes and i just don't know what to do with myself <laughs> <laughs> yeah and, and the other thing too i found that like for me i tried um particularly hard within the episode to not uh talk or editorialize much myself and just kind of um leave room for him to answer because i mean people want to listen to me talk and to you talk they'll come to these other episodes but if they're coming to the interview i feel like that's the most important thing but i also found that after doing the episode that there's a certain balance there as well whereas uh, if you're just shooting questions and the person's just answering that gets kind of boring too sure so I, I I definitely, I think there's an art to interview. I've always believed that. Um, but I think that doing a three-way interview is a very particular, particularly different kind of art. And um, I'm looking forward to see how we develop um, our skills in that, the way we've just developed our skills in this. 
Yeah, it's almost a panel show, you know, for for because you and I have both been journalists for portions of our life. And so because of that, we understand the one-to-one interview very well. You know, that's that's not only that, but it, I I found the most difficult thing um uh to be that in a one-to-one interview, I'm pretty good at steering the interview where I want it to go. Um, and then giving the, the, the person I'm interviewing the room to speak on the thing that I wanted to speak about. Um, but with, with three people, it's really difficult because, you know, whether you like it or not, somewhere in the back of your head, you have a subconscious agenda that you're trying to, to, to get that person to kind of follow a little bit. Um, and so, yeah, the, the three person version of that is actually pretty different. Um, and I found myself having to back off of a preconceived agenda and kind of just letting it go stream of consciousness and figuring out what interesting nuggets to pull out from the stream. Yeah, I, I had the same experience. And I, I think that, uh, once again, it's 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 part of the way that you and I do this show is we allow each other to go on tangents Yeah. Um, because it's more interesting that way. Um, but when you have that third person in the, in the formula, you can't really do that uh, in the same way. And what I found myself, what I found uh, really useful about that was I was keeping notes. So if, if there's something like a direction I wanted to do or something I wanted to cover, I would write that down. And then I try to find a place to squeeze it back into the conversation later. And I found that half of those things weren't important sure. five, ten minutes later. So I was able to get rid of a lot of that easily. But uh, it was it, I think it it actually for me and I hope for the listeners as well. Uh, bringing up stuff that came up earlier in the episode actually works for this flow and the continuity. Um, and it, it's just a different type of show. And I like that. It's also really interesting because Drew's Drew listens to the show too. So he pulled references from old episodes um, that I don't think right. other people we interview will. And so I don't, I, that might be a different experience as well, because there are definitely moments where he would pull parallels from things that he saw or that he heard from previous episodes of ours. Um, you know, things he's either learned or gained or found out about certain artists. Um, so that was interesting as well. Like I, it's, it's bizarre to hear it. It's almost a moment, a moment where you you feel grateful that someone like him is listening to us. <laughs> right. Someone that we, we found, um, valuable to interview and that we thought our audience would find valuable to interview and they listen. That's, that's a nice feeling. Yeah, it is. Um, and at the same time, I, I love the fact of us being able to, um, pull lessons and ideas and thoughts and questions that we've already gone through in the show as you and me and mm-hmm. present them to the guest. Sure. And I think that brings a different level of depth so that this becomes a what we've always talked about it being an ongoing conversation. Yeah. Um, we're just adding people to the conversation now. It was it was fun. I was looking forward to it. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Um, the numbers seem to say you did. So <laughs> we'll see. Uh, speaking of numbers, uh, actually, let me say one more thing about interviews. I listened to another interview. I'm not going to say who it was today. Um, and the sound was just awful. Like the, the 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 person being interviewed, it was actually difficult. And this is a very popular podcast. And no, it was not Tim Ferriss. Um, <laughs> it was somebody else. And it was so awful. And I felt so good because our sound came out pretty Darn good. There's a few points I wish that um, it sounded a little bit better, but I think we got like 90% of what I was looking for in the sound, and that made me really proud. Sure. And so and so, thank you to Zencaster. By the way, we are not using Skype anymore. We're using this program or web app called Zencaster. We're using it right now. And uh, 
we'll talk about it more in next week's episode, the tools and techniques episode. I just want to do a little shout out to Zencaster and uh, know they are not paying us. Um, and then a few more things about episodes that I want to say is num- I, Lamb and I were talking about this in our pre-game show. Uh, it's incredible to us the what you guys actually like out there. And that that sounds strange. Maybe it even sounds rude. Uh, <laughs> the numbers are baffling to us in the sense that uh, episodes that we think, whoa, maybe maybe we went too far there. Maybe we dropped the ball there. Are like the episodes you guys like the most. <laughs> are um, the thing? What is it? The the thing in itself and the mood of me episode. Which I was, to be honest, I told Lamb this. Um, I was a little worried that I went too long and too in depth into the talking about writing that's our number two episode of all time just baffling but amazing yeah so um in line with that uh this is always this has always kind of been an unspoken rule but i'm gonna say it out loud here um we're not gonna limit the length of these episodes like if lamb and i get on fire onto a topic and we end up talking for two and a half hours you're gonna get a two and a half hour episode um, there's no reason for us to limit this. We're not paying for studio time, uh, I, because what I'm 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 going to ask Lamb to explain his thoughts on this as well. Um, but what I'm reading from the numbers is that you guys like the fact that we're going in depth, and maybe it's not particularly what we're talking about, but the fact that um, we're moving beyond the the shallowness of a lot of podcasts. Um, you know, you've got these half hour podcasts where they go boom, 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 and then the episode's over. And you really didn't get to the nitty gritty. So we're going to focus on that nitty gritty because it's what we like and you guys seem to like it too. Lam, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, that's that's pretty close to what I was thinking too as well. I mean, when I listen to other podcasts or just when I listen to, to you know, pundits or, or, or experts speaking about a particular thing, um, I don't really care about the bullet points. Um, and the reason why is because I'm a pretty logical human being. I, I stay up on the news and I, I read pretty, um, you know, religiously so. From that perspective, I already know the bullet points. I already understand the bullet points. So what I want is is something with with more meat to it. And I think that that one thing that that podcasters kind of fall into the the, the trap of is that they don't expect that people want that. You know, they don't expect that people uh, or, or that the podcasters will will go into a, a subject for ten or fifteen minutes and go deep, deep, deep into the details and and cut through all of the the standard stuff that you expect to hear. But I think that's you know, even from a listener standpoint, like I, I feel like myself as a listener, I want that depth. Um, and be, just because I, I, I don't think that, that the, the, the bullet points or the shallowness or the, 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 very, the very surface of the things that we're talking about are the important things. Um, everybody knows what those things are. How you get there and what's, what you do once you get there is, is much more important to me. And I think that it took us a long time to realize that because we never really were asking the right question. And I think um, inadvertently we stumbled into the answer and now we know what the question was. Absolutely. And I think that this is very much in line with our mission. You know, our mission is to really, like I say, this is the podcast dedicated to creativity, that we are here to break down creativity. We are here to understand it. But we're really, we really mean that. Like we really want to dig into the nitty gritty. We want to get down and deepen. And that requires length at times. So um, another thing that I wanted to mention, actually, I didn't even mention this to you, Lamb, and it's particularly um, pertinent to the episode that we are about to um, go into further. Uh, As a general rule, this show is clean. Um, There is no cursing in this show. 
Um, that's because I, I, I believe that um, a lot of these topics are things that um, younger people could listen to. But at the same time, when we step into an artist like, for example, Cheryl Strayed, who is a very strong, um, a very strong artist, and she's very blunt at times, and um, her language can be a little bit stronger. I'm not going to censor her words. They are her art. Um, so I will not censor her art. Um, and I feel that uh, going into the episodes with our with our interviewees, um, I, I will do the same thing. I will let them say their words. Um, I, I censored Drew at one point, only because we had talked about it, and uh, it was funny because he called for the censor drum. Um, <laughs> and in any episode, if there's, you know, if Lamb and I happen to, to flip out, um, you know, a word here or there once in an episode, I'll use a censor drum because I think it's funny. Um but if it, if it if it the act of censoring those words actually censors the content and the meaning of this show, then I will not do that. And for those of you who maybe have children that are listening to this, or are children, or are easily offended by um, strong language, I will warn you at the beginning of the episode that there will be strong language. Um, obviously we're, we're not going to get into gratuitous sexual matters or, um, uh, descriptions of gore, or we're not going to go overboard, but you know, if, for example, I'm about to curse right now. So this is a warning for anyone that wants to turn it off. When Cheryl Strayed says, write like a motherfucker, that's a direct quote. And I'm going to use that word. So. There's our warning. Welcome. We are grown-ups. We're talking about grown-up things. That's what they say in um, Debbie Millman's podcast. So sometimes the words will will be there. But we're not here to try to offend you. So I hope you guys will be okay with that. Lamb, any thoughts, feelings before we move into anything else? You wanted to do a rant, I believe. Um, not really a rant. I, I guess I should save it for the tips and tactics episode, uh, or tips and tools or whatever version of it that we're calling it these days. Which we'll is um, called the TNA episode. TNA episode. Yeah, sure. Um, I'm, I, every time I start up windows, it, it's updating something. And I, I just want to ask everyone at Microsoft, what the hell are you updating and what's it doing? <laughs> because I literally see absolutely zero change, um, to anything on my computer. And sure, a lot of it's probably backend stuff and DLL stuff and cleaning up stuff. Like, I mean, I, I have a decent idea about tech so i mean i i understand but what what is actually changing and will you if you're going to update it that often can you please make it actually work better um so yeah that's it that's that, that's my two second rant good thing <laughs> you put that disclaimer on there too because i could i could go on a tirade on this thing uh, but yeah when talking about cheryl Strayed, like it's really she's she's a, a woman of a different breed when it comes to her writing and just her as a person as well so um to 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 to, to to censor the visceral nature of what she says takes away some of the power from it. So I'm, I'm glad that you put that out there because she, by nature, is just a fireball. Um, right. and, and that being the case, you, you, you can't, in order to do, uh, any description of her work or her, her person justice, you have to leave the fire in there. Yeah. There's certain quotes. That, I mean, I was just looking, you know, through some of my notes before getting, getting ready for this episode. And yeah, there's that word in there, but the, 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 the quote, First of all, I just want to say that Cheryl Strayed is probably, and this is surprising to say considering the people that we've done already as far as subjects, is probably the most eminently quotable person that we've ever studied on this show. Uh, everything that comes out of her mouth is like, I mean, the the amount of quotes that I have sitting on this page that 
in my dream world will magically make its way into our conversation are incredible. But there's, uh, once again, going back to what I said uh, earlier, we're not here to offend you. And when she uses those words, she's actually not trying to offend people. I believe that um, it's kind of like the idea there's those little, some people get the tea bags and they have the little, little quotes on them. And one of them says uh, something along the lines of, uh, if you want the rose, you have to be prepared for the thorns. And I feel like uh, that's kind of Cheryl Strayed's writing can be like that at times. Uh, you know, th- there's a beautiful sentiment, but she throws the F word into the middle of it. <laughs> well, not only that, but I think um, given her past, like she, you know, she, she dealt with such horrifying, I, I don't know, it's, 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 it's hard to separate the woman from her life or, or the artist from her life in this sense. But, you know, considering how hard some of the, the portions of her life were, like it, it only stands to reason that her, her language about life is pretty harsh as well. Um, and given that, that, that the universe never pulled punches on her, she doesn't pull punches back, you know, so it's, it's actually pretty cool to read, um, because most, most people, most artists, um, as well, uh, have a tendency to be a little bit on the diplomatic side, um, or, or, or try to appeal to, to, you know, a broader cross-section of humans. And I think Cheryl Strayed just doesn't care. Um, there's a, there's a sense of reckless abandon, um, in, in not just her, her work, but just in her, her interviews and her quotes, you can get, you get the sense that she is just, every single day she's alive, she kind of didn't expect to be. And so because of that, she's just going to go full speed. <laughs> and I think that there's, um, there's a, a concerted effort on her part to use the words in, in the way that she used them in the sense that, um, I know that she's aware that sometimes the things that she's saying are, um, so compassionate. Mm-hmm. And so humane um, that people will not take them seriously, that they right. will think it's um, wishy-washy emotional stuff. So by throwing those words in, she snaps a bit of reality and, and a little bit of edge to it that makes people pay attention to it in a way that they wouldn't. Uh, I think it's a it's a purposeful and, and a proper choice. Um, for example, I'll just throw one out right now that's short that happens to be right here. Um, all right is almost always where we eventually land even if, even if we fuck up entirely along the way what she's saying there is very kind and very nice that don't worry everything's going to be all right but by throwing that word in she gets your attention and and that's the sign of a good writer that knows the power of a word um we're jumping right into this but i want to say something first lamb uh actually not say something i want to ask something this was the first time we've done uh, a subject that you weren't familiar with before we started the month long study so tell us a little bit about your experience. Yeah, it's, I actually, I'm glad you brought that up because that I, I'd, I'd be very sad if we brushed over that, given that, you know, most of what I wanted to talk about um, prior to talking about Cheryl was talking about all of this stuff. Um, it was very new to me. I'd never heard of her before. Um, I'd seen the book floating around a little bit, you know what I mean? But I'd never actually, I'm sorry, I'd seen Wild floating around, which is kind of the, the, the book. Um or at least, uh, you know, if you talk to anyone who who likes Cheryl Strayed, that's kind of the one they point you to as being the one that you should read first. Um, I knew absolutely zero about her. Um, and so the experience for me was odd in the sense that I felt like I was meeting someone for the first time. And when you're meeting an artist or their work for the first time, you have no idea what their voice is supposed to be. You have no preconceived notion about what their, their process is um, or the, the result of that process is. So for me, um, I felt really excitedly panicked um 
in the sense that I, I, I felt like with you, for example, like I know you, you've known of her for quite some time, so I had a lot of catch-up work to do. Um, and so because of that, I, I had to make some choices about um, what things I focused on and, and how in-depth I went on them. Um, so in this particular case, you know, given that I have a full-time job and, and that I'm, I'm working quite a bit these days, I had to focus on whether um, or not I wanted to go into her life or into her work. Um, so I decided to do something very different than I usually do, which is I just took on wild in a very, very methodical and very careful way. So instead of trying to rifle my way through a ton of her books, I literally just read one and I read it very, very carefully. Um, and so because of that, I think I have a, a, a different and unique understanding of this particular piece of work. Um, because I've, I consumed it in a way that I don't usually consume, um, creative works from anyone. So it, it was a very cool experience. Actually, I, I would love to find someone like that and, and, and have you go through the same experience. Uh, just so you have, um, an understanding about what that sense of mystery and, and, and craziness is when you're diving into something like that. Yeah, it's going to be a very strange experience, uh, especially since you know you're going to be recorded <laughs> talking about the person. I'm glad that actually that you focus so much on uh, Wild because in going through my notes, the bulk of my notes, um, by the way, it's not hard for everybody to catch up on Cheryl Strait if you've never heard of her. She's only written three books. Um, the fourth book is just a book of quotes that come from uh, her podcast and uh, talks that she's done in other books. Uh, I'm Most of my notes focus on uh, Tiny Beautiful Things which is one of my favorite books of all time. Um, we'll get into it more, but uh, it's going to be, I think it's going to be fun. I'm looking forward to this. She is an extraordinary woman. And um, as we started talking about this, and particularly when you started talking about the, the harshness of her life, it occurs to me a question that, that needs to be asked at this point um, before we go into this any further. Wow. It may be a statement on the world. <laughs> Why is it that uh, all of the women that are so incredible that we study are all s victims of something so tragic in their lives? I mean, her and Frida Kahlo. I mean, just the world is just dumping on women, it seems like. And uh, testament to these women, because they are testament to all women, actually. Um, they're so strong that they're able to transform that. And I don't think that many of the famous men that we so respect supposedly uh, deserve as much respect as we give them because they haven't been through half the stuff that these women have been through just being women. I, I will say, though, that in Cheryl's, Cheryl Strade's case, a lot of it's self-imposed. Um, so, you know, I mean, don't get me wrong, though. I mean, there are some catalysts for that, too, as well. Like a lot of a lot of what she did in her her late teens, early twenties was self-imposed, but it was based on stuff that happened prior to that. Um, but yeah, I, I, I hear you. I mean, I, I, I have a feeling if we, if we went in depth into Ian McKellen's life, for example, we'd find a lot of, a lot of dark and difficult moments as well. Right. I think I'm just, um, it's just been, uh, bombarded with the reality, uh, more so lately of how much rape and sexual molestation and sexual assault goes on in this world. Sure, um, sure. I was in a room with with a hundred and something people, and uh, someone happened to ask the question: uh, How many people in this room have been raped or sexually assaulted? 
and it was about 80% of the women in the room. Holy cow. And I know that's not too far from the reality of uh, society. Um, by the way, if this this type of these type of subjects and things like this are hard for you to listen to, um, two things I would say is number one, uh, we hope not to traumatize you in any way further. And uh, if you are feeling um, some strain from things that have happened to you, I encourage you to seek out professional help. Um, nothing you did was wrong, and uh, you know nothing to be ashamed of. Um, only the person who did that to you should be ashamed. Uh, wow, we're getting... Wow, we got heavy fast there, Chad. Yeah. Bring it back, bring it back. I think I, I'm also feeling very emotional about this subject. I started watching the Netflix show, um, The Keepers, and just hearing what these priests did to these young girls. Mm. Uh, yeah. So, it's it's going to be, this is going to be an emotional episode just because of the stuff that Cheryl Strait talks about is emotional stuff. It's powerful stuff. And it's real stuff. And um, there are things in this episode that uh, maybe are going to hurt. And that's okay, you know, because creativity is dealing with life the way that you experience it and the way that um, you share it with the world. And Cheryl Strait is an open book. She really is. So, Lamb, take me away from this um, emotional pit that I've put myself into. Well, that's kind of impossible, um, given that what most of what we're going to talk about when it comes to her um, is is this emotional pit. I mean, I, I think most of the things, like part of the reason why she went on the journey, um, that is the the loose memoir um, that is wild um, happened, is because she was was trying to escape such a dark version of herself, and she had the wherewithal to to create. A journey um, that she hoped, I, I, I assume she didn't know for sure if it would, but I, I assume that she hoped um, that would give her, it, it would give her that sense of identity and peace. And it's a pretty brave thing to do. I mean, if anyone doesn't know um, the Pacific Coast Trail, it's one that runs pretty much the entire west coast of the United States. And it's a rough, rough hike. Um, and Cheryl strayed when she in, when she took on the journey, um, had no real hiking experience going into it. So she was about to embark upon one of the most difficult hikes um, in the history of mankind um, and with very little experience. And, and the way in which she did it and, and, and the things that happened to her along the way are pretty, pretty remarkable. Um, so I guess, I guess I, it, it, it feels very appropriate to me for her to go in order um, when it comes to what we talk about, like I almost don't want to talk about her 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 artwork yet. Like we we need to kind of give people some context as to who she was as a person, and I think that's really important. Um, so yeah, I mean, I I think I think we got to start there. Yeah, th there's so much to cover. Um, <laughs> yeah, this one's tough, man. I feel like we have a lot of ground to cover. It's really, I mean, I think we just we're not going to give a biography here, guys, but we're going to give you some of the basic facts. Um. She's a, she was a victim of molestation as a young girl. She was raped later, uh, I believe, by three men. Yeah. Uh, this was as a, as a later point as a woman. Her mother died um, when she was, was it her early 20s? Yeah, early 20s. Yeah. That was the catalyst for her to go on the Pacific Trail, the Pacific Crest Trail. That was the event that devastated her. 
she went alone and she went completely unprepared. If you if you guys have seen the movie, perhaps with um, Reese Witherspoon as Cheryl Strayed, it's a it's a pretty accurate um, depiction in film of the book. Um, obviously, it doesn't get everything because it's a movie and not a book, but it is pretty accurate. Um, Cheryl was very actively involved in the process from even pre-production. Um, Reese Witherspoon uh, approached her on the project, and uh, Cheryl basically said, I'm willing to do this as long as I know that you're dedicated to doing this the right way. So there's there's a lot of credibility to the version, that movie version. And the reason I bring it up is as an example of her uh, ill-preparedness. She buys everything from REI you could possibly buy to go camping and packs it into this monster backpack. I think, if I remember correctly, it's been a while since I read the book, um, people on the trail um, call the backpack monster. Yeah, she referred to it as that too as well, yeah. <laughs> it's just enormous. And in one of the first scenes in the movie um, where she's about to go on the trail is her trying to put this backpack on. It's on the ground in the hotel room, and she straps it onto her back and then finds out that she can't stand with it on her back. So she has to figure out how to rock herself into a position just so she can get up. So it sounds like she's prepared, but she's so unprepared that she doesn't know what to bring and what not to bring. That's dangerous. Okay. Well, I'm not sure how I'm going to do the transition there. We had to take a break, and uh, I get a, it's been fraught with obstacles this episode. We've had connection issues, and Lamb just got a disturbing phone call. Um, so this episode, it's going to be – this is a deep episode emotionally, guys. I mean, I've touched on stuff already from the part before, but uh, Lamb has had a death in the family while we were in the middle of this episode. Um we're dealing with some dark themes as far as we're, we're going to try to let me put this a different way. We're going to try to really focus on the creativity here. We're going to try to give you something that's going to be of value to you. But in order to do that, we're going to have to go deep. So I hope you guys are ready for this journey. Uh, Lamb, how you feeling? Um, obviously difficult um the, the 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 circumstances i mean you and i talked about it a little as we were we we're coming back here um you know you can't ever really ex- expect it or be ready for it when you you lose someone in the family um but yeah this one was particularly difficult because this person had had no indications of it going into it so it was very strange um yeah, so I mean, I guess uh, going, uh, I know it's going to be a brutal transition for anyone who's listening to this, but let's, you know, diving back into Cheryl Strayed. Um, I guess, the, you know, her, her, her need to, to, to start her journey um, up the Pacific Coast Trail um, was kind of one of those those moments in which you realize that you, you have to make a choice. You know, you have to make a choice between continuing down the dark path that is the life that you don't want or... Um, hitting the reset button, and even if you end up a different person than you expected coming out the other side of such a journey, um, it, that doesn't really matter because the the key is not to to worry too much about where you're going, but to make sure that you make a concerted effort to leave certain things behind. Yeah, there's a quote of hers that fits here pretty well. Um, I could allow myself to be influenced by three men who screwed me against my will. Or I could allow myself to be influenced by Van Gogh. 
I choose Van Gogh. And that choice, that I mean, that's that is the heart. It's it's a brutal brutal topic and a brutal place to have to walk through. But at its heart, um, it is this territory where where we find um, the most truth in what creativity can be. It can be a transformative experience. But more than anything, it is a choice. Mm-hmm. It is a, an exertion of will, and um, that's what makes uh, Cheryl Strayed such an incredible human being. She has been through some rough stuff. She screwed up her own life pretty bad. Um, and I think that before we went on the break, we were kind of explaining a little bit of that detail. So let's let's um let's try to breeze past it as quickly as we can, but give a synopsis of some of the stuff that she went through. Um, I think we left off at the. I was meandering about the size of her backpack. Um, you want to tell them a little bit about the trail? Yeah, I, I guess that's that's the. You know, I've I've hiked parts of the PC PCT or Pacific Coast Trail. If you, if you just, I I will probably refer to it as the PCT from here on Pacific Crest Trail. I'm sorry, um, for for you know for the remainder of the, the episode, but it's a tough trail just in the small chunks that I've seen. Um, so I can't even imagine the trek. Um, I believe it goes through nine mountain ranges between um, Mexico and Canada. So that is insane i I can't even imagine that kind of journey um and the reason why um it kind of hits near and dear to me is because you know for the early portion of my life i as a boy scout i was a pretty hardcore boy scout um and i know that sounds that sentence in and of itself has a lameness to it that i can't really stomach um in just saying it out loud but um you know i did a lot of wilderness stuff um i also at some point got pretty hardcore into wilderness survival training as well so um, you know, the, the, to hear her description, uh, in, or to read her description in wild, um, about her, the gear that she purchased from REI, um, I'm, I'm shocked at just the, 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 the boldness to take on that perilous of a journey with absolutely zero experience. I mean, she, she went into it totally blind. Um, and if the, the, you know, for anyone who, who, who hasn't read the book or seen the movie, I highly suggest doing one or the other. I personally haven't seen the movie, but I hear it's pretty true to the the, the, the source material. Um, but just how woefully inadequate her equipment and her training was going into that. Just as a person who's who's trained people in wilderness survival and taught people how to do proper orienteering, um, hiking, and backpacking, that sounds like such a dangerous endeavor um, that I'm, I'm I, maybe maybe her ignorance is. Maybe her ignorance is what saved her from it. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. That's that's unbelievable that she would she would choose to take something like that on. Um, for me, it's like the, the way I interpret her choice to do that. First of all, to clarify that how uh, it really clarify how ill prepared she is. Um, it was pretty much an act of insanity what she did. Um, that's how dangerous what she did was. Uh, it would be like uh, climbing a mountain for the first time and not bringing any ropes. Um, that's how dangerous what she did was. And to me, I interpret that in the context of, um, what she'd already done to her life. Um, the drug problems that she'd had and all these other things. I I think that this was the peak act of self-loathing and, um, attempt at self-destruction. Um, because it was ultimately a transformative experience for her, people tend to view it through the lens of, um, it was a great choice for her. She was going on a walkabout, but I don't think that that's what she was doing. I think that she went out there not really caring what happened to herself. Um, And luckily for her, she found herself in the process. 
Um, and I think that that's what gives that book that power. Um, if she went into it knowing what she was going to get out of it, there would be that kind of hallmark cheesiness to it. Um, but that insanity of that choice is really what um, makes it real for us. At least for me. I shouldn't say for us because I can't speak for all of you. Um, so we're not going to go into the details of everything that happened on the, on the trail and all that stuff, because that's for you guys to read the book or at least watch the movie. Um, this is a creativity theme podcast and it's about breaking down what those things mean. And so the reason we talk about these details is because in the context of Cheryl Strayed's life, Cheryl Strayed's life, we see a lot of transformation, a lot of um, taking things, a lot of choice, like I said, a lot of taking pain and making something from it. Um, and in order to do that, she really had to dive deep into some of these things in order to figure that stuff out. Um, there's a quote, actually, I have here from a TED Talk that she gave called Radical Sincerity. And she says, our deepest treasures are buried in the crappy detritus of our lives. So much of that reach for the extraordinary is bound up in the self-doubt, the self-loathing, the darkness, the difficulty, the things that we bury. And what what she's talking about there is that uh, the important things sometimes they're inextricably bound. They're they're they have some of the most horrible things wrapped around them. Um and, and to some degree, I guess, uh, for me, that's what this episode is. This episode is is dealing with some extraordinary themes um, and some very emotionally powerful and inspiring things for me. But it's also, thematically, it's, it's bound in some very dark places. And uh, in reality, for things that have happened while we're recording this show, some dark things have bound in. Um, Lam, what do you think about that transformation and choice? It almost feels... I mean, it's, 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 I assume reading, um, tiny, beautiful things is a different experience because I, I, I know that at least structurally and, and, and with it, it purpose or purposefully the, the, the book is very different. Um, but you can't help but, but sense a hopelessness and a hopefulness in almost everything she does. And I think that that speaks a lot to the journey that she's taken, you know, the extremes that she, she's, found herself uh, having to, to endure throughout the course of her life um, and leading up to to where she is now as an author and the transformative process of um, taking the hike on the, the PCT, um, for example. I agree with you. I believe that that was not a, I believe that was a purposefully punishing trip. Um, you know, sometimes people do things without the intention of ever coming back. And I have a feeling that for her, in some kind of loose way, there was, there was definitely a strong sense of that going into it. Um, you know, like I said, I, with my wilderness uh, um, survival training, I wouldn't take that particular trail on without an extensive amount of prep time and training. So I can't imagine a person going into that green uh, with any expectation that they would come out of that alive. Um, you know, I, I wish I'd read Tiny Beautiful Things or the, before before I, I came into this, um, because most of the cool quotes that I found from her were from uh, Tiny Beautiful Things, most of the ones that really struck me anyway. Um, you know, one of the ones that I, I really, really like, I, I, I may just spray paint this on my wall or something. It's, it's, don't surrender all of your joy for an idea you used to have about yourself that isn't true anymore. Um, that's such an amazing statement. Um, it's, it's, it's spoken in such simple language, but it has such a powerful meaning to it that I think 
you can't say it any any simpler um and convey or uh, such a powerful a, a powerful message um in such a simple statement you know the the ability for one to to look back and not look with a sense of regret or a, a sense of mournfulness and given that you know i'm dealing with a death in the family that's 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 a very it's a very tangible feeling for me right now too like you know i i knew this uncle very well um and he was someone that that we you know, he lived pretty close too, as well. So it's, it's 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 definitely one of those moments that makes me realize, you know, if you're if you're if you're holding on to a preconceived notion about who you're supposed to be as a person, and that particular version of you is what's anchoring you to a part of you that may be both steeped in hopefulness and sadness at the same time, then it might be a good idea to let go of it, um, even if you lose a little bit of the hopefulness, just because the sadness is worth abandoning abandoning in and of itself. Yeah, and. Um... Going back to what you said about uh, about Wild, I would say that uh, if you guys are familiar, this is also a book that was made into a movie. If you're familiar with Into the Wild, um, you can almost view Wild and Into the Wild as two faces of the same coin in the sense that Cheryl Strayed's story is the choice of going into the wilderness, an insane choice to go unpreparedly into the wilderness and coming out a transformed human being. And Into the Wild is a story of a man making the choice to ill-preparedly go into the wilderness and die. So, just just a thought that if you're going to read one, maybe you should read the other, or if you're going to watch watch both movies, you'll see you'll see a theme tied between them. It's almost like um, that Gwyneth Paltrow movie, Sliding Doors. You're seeing the same path fork into two different directions. Yeah, except one survives and one doesn't. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like two different outcomes of the same yeah, story. Sure. Sure. Oh, there's she has a great quote on that too. I gotta find that while we're on this episode about um, <clears throat> letting go of a life that you think you should have had. It's it's from yeah. There's so many cool things that come out of tiny beautiful things. That's definitely next on my list. Uh, I would say first of all, for let me clarify for the audience. I don't think I've explained this yet in the episode. Tiny beautiful things is not a novel. Um, like uh, I guess Wild is not really a novel. It's more of a memoir. Mm-hmm. Um, but not in the bad gossipy type memoir type thing. I think you guys can tell that so far and torch the book that she wrote before that is also a memoir. Um, it's about her and her mother before her mother's death. Um, tiny, beautiful things is something completely different. Tiny, beautiful things is, um, there was a period of time where Cheryl Strayed worked for, and I cannot remember the name of the online publication. I want to say it was Granta. Uh, G-R-A-N-T-A. I can't remember, so I'm sorry. You'll have to look it up on your own. Uh, but she was, she did an advice column. And the advice column, you know, the famous one is Dear Abby. This one was called Dear Sugar. And uh, Tiny Beautiful Things is... I'm not positive if she wrote this stuff in the style of Tiny Beautiful Things for this book or if these are actually um, excerpts from the actual advice column. Um, it's been a while since I've read the book. I just went over my notes for this episode, so you'll have to forgive me there. But it is—it sounds like such a cheesy thing, like an advice column book, and it is not. Oh. It is one of the most powerful books I've ever read. It, um, I would I would go as far as to say that Cheryl Stray will be at least um, if she if she stopped writing tomorrow, she will probably be most remembered for Wild. But her true opus is Tiny Beautiful Things. Um, 
the humanity and the honesty and and just the bluntness everything that she is is most apparent in that book and actually if you uh if you look for the podcast she has a podcast a dear sugar podcast where her and um i don't remember the guy's name her and and uh co-host uh answer advice column questions on the podcast but the reason this book is so powerful is because what she does is she takes this form of the advice column and uh, i don't know that she did this on, on purpose it's just who she is but she makes it into literature the writing in this book is devastating and beautiful and everything that you want from a great book um I will give you an example to um, piggyback on Lamb's comments about uh, about grief. Uh, there is a, to give you some context before this quote, uh, someone writes in and he calls himself bewildered, as you do an advice column. You give yourself um, not real names, you know, it's usually circumstances. He calls himself bewildered and he says his fiance is grieving a loss and he doesn't know what to do because um, he feels like every time he says, uh, I'm sorry that, you know, how many times can I say that for it to mean anything to her? And her advice to him is, and this is obviously just an excerpt, uh, the same is true for your fiancé, Bewildered. She is your joy on wheels, whose every experience is informed and altered by the fact that she lost the most essential, elemental, primal, and central person in her life too soon. I know this without knowing her. It will never be okay that she lost her mother. And the kindest, most loving thing that you can do for her is to bear witness to that, to muster the strength, courage, and humility it takes to accept the enormous reality of its not okayness and be okay with it the same way that she has to be. Get comfortable being the man who says, Oh, honey, I'm so sorry for your loss, over and over again. That's wow. the level. That's the level of this book, my friends. You know, and and not to to remove the emotional weight from something like that, but I think that's a great lesson for everyone out there as well um, when it comes to um, creativity. Um, I think you and I discovered it by accident too, as well. Um, you know, you you speak about this in the first couple of episodes of your podcast, your personal podcast, which is if you don't like consuming creativity or art in a certain way, then it stands to reason that you shouldn't do it just because you feel obligated to do it um, in a certain way. Um, and I feel like, you know, like in, in the case of what we're talking about with Cheryl Strait and the, the you know, um, uh, Tiny Beautiful Things, there's there's a format that she chose there. There's a format that she 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 took, a medium that she took and, and, and crafted her art around that medium um, and just use the structure of the medium itself and not the preconceived notions about what that medium should produce or it's, you know, fluffiness or lightness. I mean, it's, it's dense stuff and it's, it's punchy to a level that, that, that one would not expect from, from a, a love and advice column. You know, you, you, you have that typical, um, almost, almost adolescent feel to most advice columns. Um, and you definitely don't have the, the level of literary skill, um, that she crafts into, the the column itself, but by that by that same token, um, most advice books don't have the same heart 
um, as the, as, as tiny, beautiful things does. Like there's, there's definitely a sense of, of hum- humanity that is very, very palpable through almost everything that she, she writes in there. Like almost every quote that I've read from it is, is simple in its nature. You know, like, I mean, in, in that last quote that you just read, for example, the okayness the, or the, you know, the, there, there's simple language that's used to describe these things, but the depth and the feeling by which she, she uses to describe them is just haunting almost. Yeah, there's, I mean, I, I, there's not, there's, it just simply isn't enough words to say what I can say about everything that happens in this book. Um, there's one quote that I purposely, um, I mold over really hard, whether to include in here and and I'm not because I feel like, uh, giving it to you guys in this context will actually ruin the experience of the book. But there's, there's one particular story of, um, a woman and going back to the, the idea of, uh, sexual assault and uh, molestation at a young age. Um, Cheryl goes into hers in this response to this person, and it is possibly one of the most devastating and um, humane and compassionate things that I've ever ever read. Um, so I w- I would encourage you guys to pick up the book because I'm I'm not going to ruin it for you by having me read it. First of all, I d- I don't know that um, I think that it would be better served read by a woman. Um, and also just read in your own head and really, um, engaged with, but what, what I will share with you is a, a short one that, uh, exemplifies what Lamb is talking about with this very simple language, but the depth, um, forgiveness just doesn't sit there like a pretty boy in a bar. Forgiveness is the old fat guy. You have to haul up the hill. <laughs> and I mean, it's, there's so much truth to that, but it's funny and it's light, and it's honest, and you can understand it instantly. And I don't know a better way to describe Cheryl Strayed. Yeah, uh, you know, it's, it's, I was shocked at how funny Wild was, um, considering its subject matter. Um, I don't know how well you remember that book, but it's actually pretty comical. <laughs> there's, there's, there's a tongue-in-cheekness to it, and there's, 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 in, like, she just kind of laughs at her own inexperience, it's, and it's, it's very humanely done. Um, so you can identify with, with how just completely inept she feels with going through the, the sake of the journey. And at some point, and I think, you know, it's, it's, it's something that we, we have to learn as artists too. I, I think it's a beautiful thing that comes across in the book, which is, it doesn't matter whether or not you know how to do something. Sometimes the best choice is just to do it and figure it out as you go. You know, I'm, I'm such a big proponent of, of fake it till you make it. Um, in that, you know, if you can, if you can convince yourself in your mind that you're particularly good at something, um, the journey between where you are and where you want to be is just, just, just that much easier. You know, one of the things that I, 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 rem- I wrote, I wrote this particular quote down from the book because it very much echoes that sentiment. It's something I've been literally screaming at people for 25 years, you know, fake it till you make it. And that's not in a bad way. It's not to say that you should represent yourself in, in a way that isn't true or accurate, but, Definitely have faith in your ability to learn learn things or be something that that you 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 don't think is possible. You know, um, let me let me read you that one. It's I knew that if I allowed fear to overtake me, my journey was doomed. Fear, to a great extent, is born of a story we tell ourselves, and so I chose to tell myself a different story from the one from the one women are told. I decided I was safe. I decided I was strong. I was brave. Nothing could vanquish me, and. I really, really liked that because it's, it, it speaks a lot to what, what, you know, I try to tell people when it comes to, to, to taking on journeys of this type, which is 
you're never really ready. You know, you never, you'll never feel completely prepared. Um, there's not enough work you can do on yourself as a person to emotionally prepare you for some of the difficult things you have to take on, whether that's personal or creative. And I feel like there are times where you just have to craft the narrative in your own brain that means that you will complete the story by doing the task that it takes to get to the ending that you want. And I feel like there is no clearer representation of that particular idea that I've been, or that ideal that I've been holding on to for so long, um, than what I read in Wild. Um, it's it's unbelievably cl- clear um, and much more concise than I could have ever put it. But the idea is very much the same. Yeah, there's that whole idea of choice again. It seems to be something that comes up with her continually. Um, she's in a way in, an exemplification of willpower. And, and choice for the not only for the artist but anybody living and many of the things that she tells people to do are just simple choices and i think that's why she's able to come across um so simply and so plainly and easy easily understood um and i think that the, the other message that she really gives is sometimes you can't go through life always choosing the roses sometimes you have to choose the thorns and uh sometimes you know what people say trial by fire isn't so, that one of her actual quotes didn't she say that at some point the roses and thorns thing i don't know i don't think so but i wouldn't be surprised yeah I that sounds not. really familiar i think i came across a quote of hers that was very similar to that and as i said at the beginning of the episode guys she is the most eminently quotable person that we've done so far oh, it's, it's ridiculous and not only that but there's there's you know you know what i i don't typically like about um liter- literary types ah oh, god i I'm, i apologize to anyone out there who is a literary type <laughs> <laughs> um i don't mean to 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 demean or or take away from anything that you say but i think one of the things that that really bugs me about the literary establishment um you know and for a while i was doing poetry so i i ran into a lot of this um which is there's a cultural elitism that comes from being part of an exclusive club that can that can understand certain words or certain styles or certain rhythms in, in literature that most people can't. And sure, that's cool to a point, but, um, I, I definitely believe that, that the magic of a great author, the magic of a great creative person is being able to tell, tell an important story to as many people as possible and have them all understand it. And I think until Cheryl strayed, I'd never seen a person do that with such skill. And I think what she does really well, too, is um, we've talked about this briefly before. I think this is part of the um, the weeds that I went into in the, the writing, the episode where I was talking about writing. But, it, it, you know, our, our mission as artists and particularly as writers is to make sure that people end, understand that they get it. Because if they don't get it, uh, you, you haven't done anything. You haven't changed any lives. You haven't created anything that brings value to a person. Um, but, uh, a great artist, um, that's a good artist, a great artist knows how to do that. And to also every once in a while, know when to break that and when to challenge and when to use a word that's difficult. Like, uh, the quote that I read earlier, she uses the word detritus, which I'm not even, I'm pronouncing it the way she pronounced it in the Ted talk. Um, I'm not even positive. I'm pronouncing it right because I use that word so infrequently verbally. I've only ever seen it written. Um, and the reason to challenge people um, to throw in a word like that every once in a while is to make somebody stumble. Mm-hmm. Because sometimes if things are too smooth, then people stop listening as well. And so a great artist knows how to switch gears 
you know, when to upshift and when to downshift and when to slam on the brakes. And uh, as you say, she's one of, if not, uh, at least as far as this show goes, the most obvious exemplification of those qualities of anyone. Uh, I have a great respect for her, if you guys cannot tell. Yeah, and, and I agree with that to, to an extent that that makes me feel almost stupid as a writer um, in that there's such a humility to the way she writes. You know, there's there's almost a, 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 a palpable lack of arrogance. And I think that that's that's that's. I, I, I'm, I, I'm trying to think of the right way to describe it for anyone who hasn't read any of her stuff. I think I think the word that continually kicks around in my head is sincerity. Um, and, you know, sure, we, we, we talk about, um, some of our other artists like, like Neil Gaiman being sincere and Bjork, um, and that's definitely true for those, those people as well. But I don't think that they're as honest about themselves to the public as Cheryl Strait is. Um, and that lack of arrogance, that, that, that ability to be vulnerable without pulling punches. Um, and, and, and I, I guess in the description of how she, 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 she puts things together that you can't you can't do that without describing how strong she feels looking back at her own life. You know, there's almost no sense of regret. Um, there's very little sense of, of of fear or 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 you know just a, just any sort of negative emotion about it. It's almost like she's telling you a story, and she happens to just be the one who lived the story as well. And you know, people say that all the time. I mean, her memoir is 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 different than any other memoir I've ever read. And I've read quite a few. I mean, I took a class on memoirs and I read quite a, quite a few of them um, at some point. So, I mean, the, the experience going into wild, I, I'm, I'm, I'm very sure that I had preconceived notions in the back of my mind as to what I expected from the book, because I kind of knew it was a memoir going into it. And that, that expectation was thoroughly shattered within the first five or six pages. Um, and from that point forward, it took me quite some time to get used to the idea that I was actually still reading something that was true, um, that this actually happened to a human being and these choices were made by a human being. Um, and the choices and the journey and the difficulty of that journey um, and surviving that journey coming out the other side a different person was something that a human being went through um, and then had the, the skill and humility um, and, and, and strength to write about it with such brutal honesty. Um, and you know, for anyone who, who isn't, um, an artist or anyone who isn't a writer, um, just think about taking the hardest parts of your life and then crafting them into something interesting enough for the rest of the world to see and try to imagine what it would be like for the world to then see you through the lens of those experiences. You know, how would you survive that? Could your psyche or could your ego survive that? And I think that's part of what really impresses me about Cheryl Strait is that there is no arrogance in her work. There's there's none of that, I, and and I can't stress that enough. There's there's not a not a single sentence that I've read of hers, not a single quote, not a single page, not a single word that I've read on any page in that book feels arrogant in any way to me. And I think that there's such a power to that. There's such there's such a strong takeaway for for you know for me from that. Um, that makes me want to be more brave about my work. I think most of the time, the reason why I have difficulty writing is because I'm afraid to be honest. Um, and I think that at some point you have to shed that completely as an artist, or you'll never produce your best work. One of the things that separates her, going back to your earlier point, um, one of the things that separates her from the other artists we were talking about is 
she's here with us. Um, as much as every other artist that we've done, I love and respect. They always feel foreign to us in some way. Um, Neil Gaiman, uh, just the, the style of writing he does is um, is not grounded in reality. It's it's fantasy. Um, Bjork makes strange music. Um, Bob Dylan is a strange dude. Uh, there's there's a distance and uh, not as a judgment of any of them. Obviously, we wouldn't have talked about them if we didn't love them. But uh, they don't. F- there's an otherness to them, whereas Cheryl Strayed feels like a woman that you would run into at Starbucks. Um, there's a reality to her, and it's not just how she writes; it is who she is. When you see her interviewed, um, there's no pretension to her. So um, that very much, like you said, is reflected in her writing. But I also think that a lot of the power of what she's done here is she's picked um, two very common um, forms of art, um, the advice column and the memoir. Yeah. But she she doesn't approach them with the pettiness that many people would. She treats them with a reverence that nobody treats them with. And I think that that uh, it's reflected just in the compassion that she gives to other human beings. But that that reflection uh, is also within the way that she treats the mediums that she uses. She brings compassion to those mediums as well. Uh, it's it's very powerful and moving to see a human being like this. And she is not a pushover either. She's so compassionate. But going back to those words, you know, the the words that she throws in here and there to barb you, she is not a weak person. Um, she's not a pushover. She's extremely strong and she is opinionated and she is powerful. And to see those things combined, it's, it's a, it's a extraordinary, extraordinary alchemy in, in my opinion. Sure. And, and, and that's not to say that she didn't, she, she also chose the, the, the mediums for, for a particular purpose, I assume, because she still stays pretty true to the mediums too, as well. You know, there are things that she says both in, um, uh, tiny beautiful things as well as wild um, that are very that the, the language is very much the the medium itself like you know anything that comes out of tiny beautiful things definitely sounds like an advice column it just sounds like an advice column from the most emotionally evolved literary person you've ever met um, but that person is also speaking to you in a language that most people would understand you know and I think that, that, that that's that's what impresses me most you know you keep you you keep talking about how she randomly interjects words or 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 uses language in such a simple way and i i i can't i can't i can't echo that sentiment enough you know it it, it feels so weird to me um to 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 read an author that's that has a voice like this because you're right i mean she could be someone hanging out in Los Gatos at a Starbucks or, you know, she could be blogging uh, in the middle of a restaurant and, and she could be that person because her language is that, that straightforward. And yeah, she does challenge from time to time. And I, I actually think that's not true. She, I think she challenges all the time. I just think she uses the idea to challenge and not just, not necessarily the, um, you know, not, not necessarily the, 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 the words themselves, not the structure and not the form, but she uses the idea. Yeah, I think um, it's it's very, for those of you who haven't read anything of hers, and the, um, these quotes hopefully are giving you some idea, if you can't tell, it's very hard to describe her um, her way of writing because it is so many things. Um, 
Let me let me just give you another quote here. This is actually one of my favorites of all time. <laughs> I'm, te- I'm teeing one up too, so go for it. <laughs> the story of human intimacy is one of constantly allowing ourselves to see those we love most deeply in a new, more fractured light. Mm. And it's and that is an exemplification of what we're saying. It's very simple words, and then that word fractured light, or those words fractured light. It's that little barb at the end. Like, yeah, the theme, the idea that just makes it. And what does it mean? You have to stop and think about it, right? It makes sense till that point, and that's where she puzzles you a little. Tiny Beautiful Things May Quickly Become One of the Books That, that Becomes a Mainstay in My Library Forever, Man. It's just, it's, it, 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 plus it's digestible in small chunks, which I absolutely love about it, um, because I, I just don't, these days, at least I don't have much of an attention span. So, um, yeah, the one that I was going to throw at you too was, here's, here's the simplest possible version of, of something. Um, and I, I remember the moment I read this in Wild, I, I, I had that moment where I had to stop reading for a second because it, it struck so close to home for me. Um, and it made me very, the, the, the story of Wild kind of puts you in a place where you start to continually, or you, you start to think of yourself in a much more honest way. Um, and for me, this was very, very cool because it, it, it exemplifies who Cheryl Strait is to me in a certain, in a certain sense. Um, I'm a free spirit who never had the balls to be free. Um, it's so simple and it's it's vulgar and it's almost grotesque in its own way, but it's so shockingly true for most people. Um, it, it's very very true for me. Um, and yeah, that 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 sentence. The moment I read it, I had to read it a couple of times um, because it, it it rings with such a sense of truth um, that I I could not easily read past it. There's um an interview with her. That I will, of course, put in the show notes um, on the James Altucher show. Altucher, 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 um, James Altucher show, and uh, she touches on something that comes off of what you're saying and actually connects to. There's a, for those of you who haven't been listening to this show for very long, um, we've talked about this in the past before. But Lamb and I have in the past. Um, worked for a magazine called content and uh, we did interviews and um, the interview I had kind of a beat. I did um, first, I did the artist beat and then I was doing um, the writer beat and I just find an artist or a writer for every episode and interview them. And I took the tact of um, what's referred to as the Proust interview, which was uh, there's this famous interview style um, used by is it vanity fair. I'm blanking right now. It doesn't really matter uh, where they would. It's questions that originated from Proust's time that uh, Proust didn't create the questions, but he did answer them at one point. So I think that's why his name got attached to them. But they're the same questions asked to everyone. And I kind of took that tact and created my own. I stole some of their questions, of course. And then um, there's some questions that uh, Tim Ferriss does a similar thing. So I brought a couple of his questions and then I had some of my own. And I would ask everybody the same questions and then pick the gems for the for the article. And one that I would always ask them is, what part does pain play in art, if at all? And, of course, there's many, many questions. and I mean, many, many answers, different styles of answering that from all the artists, which was always fascinating to me. Mm. In the James Altucher interview, she touches on something 
that made me look at that question um, almost as I don't need to hear another answer to it because it's complete for me. Um, she's talking about uh, about the idea of pain and its place for the artist. And he essentially asked her, he says, does, does the artist need to be in pain? And she says, no, I don't. Uh, actually, I don't even think she says no. She just skips over it and she says, the artist needs to be acquainted with suffering. And uh, I think that's clear mm. to me as a as a resolution of that question because it says something very, um, it's exemplified by everything that we've been saying about her as well. The idea that you don't have to be in pain when you're creating, but you have to have suffered at some point in order to understand it so that you can bring light to it, so that you can experience it. What a succinct answer that is. Sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. I'm I'm just impressed by that answer so much. It's. I mean, obviously she goes with it in a little bit of a different direction, but that's all you really need to say, um, right there. It says everything. It's you. You know, and it seems now that you hear it, uh, doesn't it seem so straightforward and duh? Of course, like, yeah. Of course, you, you, in in your mind, the first, my response immediately when you said it is, oh, of course, that's the answer. You don't need to be in a tree to write about a tree, sure. but you need to be acquainted with a tree. You need to have seen a tree. You need to have climbed one at some point in your life. Ugh, that's that's amazing. That that That's such a perfect exemplific- exemplification of everything that we've described about her so far. Magical. And, that's, and I want to point out to the listeners that that is one of the lessons of this episode. I always try to be very sledgehammery about the lessons we're pulling out. That is one lesson right there that you guys need to register. Register that fact. You don't need to be a suffering artist. You just need to be ha- be aware that you have suffered before and to be able to transform that to make art um, in order to understand it. It's because it's part of being human. Sure. Um, it's so, so hard right now to just not just start trading quotes. <laughs> I know. I mean, I, I literally, I'm looking at a list right now. I, I've copied and pasted like 20 of them into a document that are just unbelievable. Um, but yeah, I mean, that I think, I think with Cheryl Strait, I think this is, it's true for every artist that we've, we've ever, you know, shared, um, in the artist profiles. But I think that Cheryl Strait is definitely one that you can get lost in the other artists. You can get lost in Bjork. You can get lost in Neil Gaiman. Um, you know, Ian, McKe- Ian McKellen's work is obviously amazing. Murakami's work is obviously stunning and captivating in its own way. But as a human being, as a human soul um, traversing the, the, the universe, I think that um, I've gotten so much more out of her writing as a human being than I, I, I ever thought that I could out of, you know, somebody. I honestly, Chad, when you when you brought her up and I, I realized that her most um her most popular piece of work was a memoir, I, I I hate to say it, but I immediately rolled my eyes. I thought it was gonna be something <laughs> something cheesy and terrible and just a a a a, a you know preachy um frivolous piece of pseudo art that, that would mean nothing to me. Um, and I was actually remarkably surprised when you suggested it because I didn't think that you of all people would, would throw a, a memoir my way. And I could not be more wrong. Um, and I think that, that this experiment with Cheryl Strait and, and introducing me to an artist that I'd never heard of, um, 
it, 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 it forces me into two very important things that I realized throughout the process of learning about her and, and reading Wild, which is, number one, I have no idea what it's like to be a woman. Um, I don't even have a vague idea of what it's like to be a woman. I have no idea what it's like to live in fear the same way. I have no idea what it's like to live with, with the, the, the constant pressure of body, body image issues. I have no idea what it's like to feel unsafe walking down the street. I have no concept of what that world looks like. Um, so that's number one. And number two is, um, I need to reevaluate what I think of mediums and how confined I assume mediums are and how expansive the mediums can be if you take the medium itself and use your tools within that medium. Um, like I think unintentionally you and I are doing that very well now with the podcast, you know, we're, we're not bloggers, for example, you've spoken about that many times, but we're good at this and we really enjoy it and people seem to enjoy it back. Um, so it only stands to reason that we, you know, considering what we're doing with the, the many different types of formats that we have now, it only stands to reason that we pour our hearts into this thing. You know, it, it only stands to reason that we, we, we spend the time and, and, and the energy that it takes to give every episode pretty much everything we've got, you know, for a lack of better way of describing it, like this episode, for example, has been a really tough one for many, many reasons. And it doesn't, it's, it's still... Despite the difficulties and despite the, the, the technical or personal things that we've had to deal with to make this episode happen, you know, when I'm sitting here talking about Cheryl Strait, I feel like I, I, I let go of all of those other things and I feel like I feel very comfortable pouring all of the energy that I have into something like this because I love it so much. And I think um, that's a great lesson for anyone who's, who's having to fight through difficult stuff in their own lives in order to produce art or be creative or just to, to live their life and do something of worth or value to other people. Um, you know, that's something that that's, that's important too, that we haven't really touched on. I'm sorry, I'm kind of bouncing around a little bit here, but, um, one of the things that, that is a running theme in almost every piece of work that Cheryl Strait has done is, is the usefulness to other people, you know, the heartfelt care that she puts into it to make sure that, that people will get something out of it. And I think if we as, as, as individuals and as a podcast can strive for anything, it's that sense of usefulness. It's that sense of heart and compassion and gratefulness that, that we can do something that can reach so many people and actually give them something of worth. Absolutely. I think that Cheryl Strayed is a perfect example of the artist who is not out um, for anything to do with herself. I feel like everything that she's put into the world was put with a purpose of helping other people. Mm -hmm. um, she's utterly selfless in, in her creativity. And that's something we can all learn, too, is maybe sometimes our art is awful, or maybe sometimes it's difficult, because all we're thinking about is ourselves. All we're thinking about is, how will I look? You know, you, you mentioned earlier how um, sometimes it's, it's difficult Sorry, I'm sure you, guys, sure you guys can hear my cat eating her food in the background right now. Um, That's what I said that was. <laughs> it's me playing with a very small bell. Um, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. But um, it's a very strange image. Sorry, go ahead. You're talking about about service to others. Yes, I, I think that sometimes we, when we're writing, we write poorly because of pretension. Um, this is going back to what you were saying about her having lack of pretension in her writing. Uh, we worry about how we're going to look, uh, especially when we're dealing with things that are true. And because of that, we alter our language, to, especially in the case of men, 
to look more machismo, um, to look stronger, to look uh, braver, and to look more capable than we are. And in doing so, we rob people. We rob people people of the opportunity to see that we're all struggling, that we all have weaknesses. And as an artist, that's part of your job as well, is to give people that connection to humanity, to all of humanity, to see that we all belong to something and that we're all in the same boat, on the same ship, in the same water, as the same waves are hitting us all. And that we're all desperately, desperately trying to stay afloat. And nobody does that better than Cheryl Strait, in my opinion. <sighs> <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I think there's, there's, um, the, the, uh, that's such a great point. I, I, I remember having that as one of the notes I was going to talk about as well is, is not being phony. Um, you know, not being fake with your language, not not being flourishy or, or or flowery because you feel like you need to do it for the sake of the medium. You know, I I, I think of wild as a piece of literature, um, and 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 a, a true piece of literature, a great literary work, and and it's a literary work that uses the word balls, um, and 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 that's that's amazing to me. You know, it's amazing that 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 she can craft such an incredible narrative using language that frankly is pretty, pretty, pretty easy. I mean, pretty straightforward. I mean, don't get me wrong. You're right. Like there, of course she challenges and she challenges quite often, but even the challenges don't necessarily feel confrontational more than they feel like, you know, it's the friend that you go to a, a Japanese restaurant with and, and they give you something that you wouldn't have necessarily tried on your own, but they're very supportive about you wanting or them wanting you to try it. Um, it always feels like that. You know, it always feels like there's a kindness to it. Um, like she's offering you uh, um, uh, uh, an exotic chocolate or something like that. Um, and so there's there's never, uh, it never feels difficult. It never feels forced and it never feels like she's trying to show you something that you might be you might be uncomfortable with. Um, she presents it in such a way that it makes you want to continue on with her. Like you know, you guys are holding hands and walking down um, a, 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 a museum that just happens to be her life. Yeah, she's like the cool aunt or the cool older sister. This is Led Zeppelin. This is why Led Zeppelin is awesome. You know, like. She's she's introducing you to extraordinary things, but she's not doing it in a condescending way. She's sure. doing it in in a way that is to your benefit and only to your benefit. It is completely and utterly open and brave and honest. If we could all just have a little bit more of that, I think uh, our art would be extraordinary compared to what we think it is now because we would feel better about it ourselves um when you take that focus off yourself and put it on other people it's easier to see what you've actually accomplished yeah and I, we're such great examples of that with the podcast too i remember you know when we first started the podcast it was a, it was much more an exercise than just us babbling about about technical stuff you know us talking about the latest app or or our frustrations with with technology and although I do th still think to this day that some of the stuff is reasonably useful to most people, we didn't really hit our stride and we really didn't start becoming successful until 
you know, both you and I, whether um, conscious or not, started to really head towards the direction of what you like to refer to as gratefulness. You know, we we are we are very much in the mindset that we want to share something important with with everyone, you know, from episode to episode. And I think, you know, part of the reason why the, the last couple of episodes have been as successful as they are is because we want so badly to help people. We want so badly to help people not just become better artists, but just to feel better about their journeys through life. That that sense of service, that sense of wanting to be useful to the world, um, by nature just makes you more honest. Like it's it's hard to be pretentious. It's hard to be fake. It's hard to have a facade when when all you want to do is is make sure that your neighbor sleeps better. You know, to make sure that your friends or family feel better, um, and to make sure that the artist that 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 you you're speaking to, especially in our medium, the artist that you're speaking to can produce easier and better work while fulfilling a very important part of themselves that did, they didn't quite know that they could fulfill. Yeah, I remember the conversation we had when we realized um, what we were actually doing. And uh, there's many phases that we've gone through uh, on understanding what we were doing here. And uh, in, in the... Uh, in the manner of Cheryl Stray, we'll be very honest here. Uh, for to be when we started, when we were doing the the uh, tech stuff, uh, we didn't know it, but it was very much about us. It was very much about us talking about well, getting our opinions out into the world. Um, I mean, we weren't being jerks, but that's that's where we were starting, and it took us a little bit of time to realize, uh, you know, shifting things around, and then we changed subjects because. Uh, Probably not because we thought we were going to help people, but we, oh, we're kind of hovering around this topic, so maybe we should focus on this topic more. And that's kind of what led us to that. But then I don't remember the exact point, but I do remember the exact conversation. And it's when we were talking about this, um, what I think is unique to our show that uh, no other podcast has out there, and I'd actually like to see in more podcasts, is um, the difference in formats, how we have four separate formats. Um, this is our artist study episode, and then we have our tools and techniques episode, and then after that we have our inspiration episode, and then we've now introduced the interview episodes. And when we had the conversation about doing that, I remember this revelation that hit me, and I don't even know that me saying it is going to hit you the way it hit me because there was emotion behind it. Um, but it was this realization that this podcast wasn't a a broadcast. This wasn't, uh, like I said, about our previous format. It wasn't about us interjecting our thoughts into the world. It was about us trying to understand something and to break it down and to give value to people. And I realized it's a class. You guys are enrolled in a class. This is a creativity class. And I don't know that we're teachers, but we might be TAs. You know, we're here just steering things a little bit. The learning is really, you're doing, it's almost like a self-study program. But uh, we've got four formats, and each of those is a different class. And when it, it hit me there, how powerful that was to realize that this was about providing value. And uh, for me, growing up, uh, public broadcasting was always uh, very important to me. I watched all the book shows and the guy who used to draw the book while he read the book and all of those things, and they always stuck with me. And now I, I realized in that moment when I when I said that to you that that's what I, I ended up doing. I'd come full circle. 
that I was making that. And uh, that's that's what we want this to always be for you. And that's why we're going to go as long as we have to go when we need to. And we're going to dig down and we're going to give you the meat. Um, and we appreciate so, so grateful for everybody that listens because you guys have, um, not only just because you're listening, but I mean because your downloads, your listens, your likes, your reviews have made us realize things about ourselves and about what we're doing. And that's, that's a, a wonderful gift. Thank you. It's also, it's also incredibly transformative too. Um, you know, we, it, I, I never ever thought that the podcast would teach me so much about myself. Um, wow. We are getting way introspective on this, this episode. I guess Cheryl, Cheryl Strayed kind of forces you into that. Um, yeah, I, it, it makes you, it, it makes me realize what I'm really good at and what, you know, you know what it made me really realize though, how useless some of the stuff I worried about really was, um, and how pointless some of the things that, that I cared about really were. Um, because in the long run, you know, when, when, the, the, when your tapestry is written and, and your epitaph is being etched into to, to stone, like you, 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 what is it that you want people to remember about you? You know, what is it that you want people to think of when they think of your name or think about who you were as a person? And for too long in my life, I've worried about that image being a certain thing that made no real sense. You know, I, I, I don't care about people, people being impressed by what I've done or, 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 or marvel at the things that I might have achieved. None of that really, I, I could care less now, you know, I, you know, taking a long, hard look at my, my life, I, I think the only thing that I, I really, really, really care about now is to feel like I'm doing something of worth, you know, doing something useful, doing something that can help change the lives of, of the people around me. And, and I guess for me now as a person, the, the, you know, both because of, of, you know, doing the podcast as well as some of the own, per, my own personal, um, struggles, I, I just want to make sure that that ratio just instead of, just steadily increases. Um, you know, right now, like our ratio, for example, is is a one to one to five hundred ratio. You know, if each episode has a thousand downloads, then that means that we each five have five hundred people each that we're reaching. And I I just want that number to increase. I want it to be one to a thousand, one to ten thousand, one to a hundred thousand. And that's not because I have any sort of real egotism about it. You know, I don't really care particularly that you know it's a million people listening to the this podcast. But what makes me so excited and what actually gives me an emotional charge and almost makes me almost brings me to tears in a lame kind of way is the possibility that I could really help that many people with something that I care so much about. Um, and I, I can only imagine what a person like Cheryl Strayed with, with what she's done with tiny, beautiful things as well as wild um, feels like when, when she, when she sits down and really thinks about how, effective her work is and how many people it reaches not in an arrogant way for her and not any kind of congratu congratulatory or validating way but just the humility that that comes with that sense of 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 accomplishment that ability to 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 serve so many people um in such an efficient manner and in, in such a beautiful and useful way and as as we say so many times on this show that to the point where i made it our official tagline we made it our official tagline i should say um generosity i mean uh creativity <laughs> how would i mess it up 
We say it so often that I can't even say it. Oh, man. Creativity is inherently generous. And if you haven't been around long enough to understand um, how we've broken that down before, is when you create something, you bring it into the world, you are sharing a part of yourself. And that is, and it takes an unbelievable amount of cre- of, of courage and bravery and honesty that uh, Cheryl Strait is, is the epitome of. And it is our belief that when you guys are out there and you're making things that are honest and real, that you are contributing to the world and making it a more beautiful and a more compassionate and a more generous place. So we want to reach as many people as we can because all we want is to get you all making things. That's it. I don't care if you know my name. I don't care if you know Lamb's name. You know what I care about is if you learned something in this episode, if something touched you and it made you go out and create something to bring something into the world because it's so easy in this world of war and famine and bombs to destroy. We want you to go out there and create. Make the world better. Make it better. And I would normally probably end somewhere around here, but I want to I want to do one thing. This is a very different episode. Um, I want to thank Lamb. I know that uh, continuing with this episode wasn't probably not easy for you, and uh, I appreciate your dedication to it. And um, to all of you listening, Lamb stuck through this episode, not for me, but for you guys. So. Uh, do me a favor. Go over to iTunes or Apple Podcasts and rate and review this. Let him know that you appreciate what he's done for you today. And uh, I'm going to shut up and let Lamp close this episode. Wow, that's a tough one to follow. Um, I guess that is something we, we rarely we rarely share on this episode is, is, is our, our appreciation for each other. Um, you know, and and, and Thank you for that, Jed, but but I will say that the last year and a half of my life has been a tough one. Um, you know, I've, I've struggled with a lot of things, and if not for Chad's ruthless dedication um, and just unwavering su- supportiveness, I, that's, I doubt that's a word, um, unwavering support, um, there's no way I would have kept doing this. There's no, there's probably no way I would have done my personal podcast and there's no way that I would have, I would have gotten to the point where I have with the podcast. And I think that's a very important lesson for all, all of you artists out there is that, you know, being brave is terrifying. You know, being honest is really terrifying. Being true to who you are as a person and as an artist is really, really terrifying because the world gets to see you for everything that you are, both good and bad. Um, and the one thing that I will say about doing this podcast and because of Chad and, 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 and every single week putting this podcast together, the more you do it, the less terrifying it becomes. And at some point, it's not even a choice anymore. The only choice you have is to be honest. You know, the only choice you have is to be creative. Um, the only choice that you have is to create. And, and it's, it's about creating that habit for yourself and, and then doing it enough times so the, so that the only thing that that matters at the end of the day is did you make something or did you not make something and if you didn't get off your ass and go and make it 